iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by Mr. Tony Evans, Mr. Patrick Barkley, and from the Great Northeast, Mr. George Culkin. This week we'll be taking a special look at the northeast of England and also discussing Arsenal and Blackburn. Well, since right around this time where we celebrate the anniversary that, that Sheikh Mansour and his, uh, and his billions came and graced English football, let's start at the Stadium of Light. Uh, Sunderland and Manchester City. Um, it seems that every week that, uh, that that Manchester City don't go and win, uh, all of a sudden it's pressure on Mancini, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just when I thought he was out, they dragged him back in. Um, is that the situation right now as you read it, Tony? I think he'll be sleeping with the fishes before long. No, I mean, it's, it's early on in the season, and they're clearly going to uh, be a good side before the end of the season. They've spent a lot of money. They've got good players. They're not the, the, the top rank of players, but, you know, it's, they'll, they'll be all right. And I think they'll be in the top four this season. I don't think it's a gimme, but I think it, the, the, they'll just edge there. Patty, is there really, I mean, we in the media, we, we, we play it that way, mm-hmm. one bad result, mm-hmm. and because of all the money he's had to spend, yeah. then it's up and down. But mm-hmm. from, from what, the, the sense you get, is that how, you know, Caldoun and Gary Cook and those guys, is that how they see it? Or are they, are they really sort of, you know, changing their opinion from one week to the next of, of the manager? Well, I would, I would think so, yes. I mean, it, it's, this is the way we judge football these days. Uh, I mean, I can remember Gary Cook last season came out with sort of various 70-point um, targets and then fourth place and so on. Um, and, and obviously they, they change from time to time I mean losing to Sunderland I don't think is uh, who, who can be one of the best home teams in the, in the Premier League um, isn't, isn't, isn't a disaster especially as they've um, just beaten Liverpool um, I think I agree with Tony I, I, w- I would say on balance that City will get it right in the second half of the season and finish in the top four and that will be real progress mm. George you started a season Spurs away, who Spurs who finished ahead of City, um, Liverpool at home, who, who they Muller and and Sunderland away, which is as Paddy says, um, is, is is sometimes a, a tough place to go, um, and of course Sunderland away with Tevez making that sort mm. of shock miss. Mm. Uh, are we are we making too many excuses for for Mr. Mancini here? Uh, well, you know, you you look at their match day squad yesterday, and it, you know it cost sort of upwards. You know, almost 300 million quid, I think it was. And, I, I, you know, I don't think that really leaves much room for excuses, you know, to be, perf- to be perfectly honest. Um, but, of course, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. You've still got the same problem that any manager has. If you, if you buy a lot of players, it takes a bit of time to, to gel. And, I, you know, I was, there, I was there yesterday, and for the first half, they were very, very good. That, that miss accepted. Yaya Toure was was immense, particularly, but they they completely ran out of steam in the second half, and you know that's something that, that they have to get to grips with very quickly. The you know the Premier League is very different to other leagues around the world, and it you know mm-hmm. it takes a sort of certain amount of physicality and stamina and endurance and all that sort of stuff, and they they certainly didn't have that yesterday. 
Is, is that an acceptable excuse, though? Because, I mean, most of the starting 11 are people who played here last year, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, I suppose you've, you've got someone like Toure in particular. I mean, he, he, I thought he ran the game yesterday. I mean, for, for the first for the first forty five minutes, he was running he was running through people, not around them, and mm. and was was brilliant. But they couldn't, you know, Sunderland came at them in the second half, and they and they and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't deal with it. I mean, there are a few new players in there. Um, and you know, I just I just don't think City's approach in the transfer market leaves you know leaves Man- Mancini with much with much scope for excuses. I mean, it's Champions League or bust or bust this season. It has to be. What would you like at the back, George? Because I mean, I'm still uncertain of their best defence. I'm still uncertain they can keep goals out. I've told you before, Tony, not to ask me technical questions, um, but uh, you know, I, I, I thought I thought largely they they did all right. At, you know, they did all right at the back. Um, uh, but you know, if 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 you don't, I mean, you know, really, their their problem yesterday was if you don't score, you know, mm-hmm. they don't you, you don't win. Yeah. And that's what you know. That's what Mancini said afterwards. And with that kind of, I mean, you know, they they approached the game. They had t- they had two holding players um, in in midfield. Only Tevez up front on his own, and it was that kind of it was that side of the game that I thought didn't gel really. Mm. Um, but the players in midfield, and thank you by the way for not you know going on with the stupid line that so many people seem to oh he's playing three defensive midfielders when Yaya mm. Toure is clearly not playing that position. No. But I, on, on Toure, it seems kind of counterintuitive to take a guy who who played as a holding midfielder most of his career, sometimes mm. at centre half last mm. season, and say I'm going to play him further forward. Um, and also with Torrey, somebody tweeted during the game, I believe it was Calkin the Times, commenting on the size of Yaya Torrey's backside and how it makes Titus Brambles look small. Um, George, please explain. I think I also I did point out on that tweet it wasn't something I massively wanted to focus on, but it was it was kind of it was drawing the attention a, a little bit like Kevin Nolan's did actually in the Champions League last season. There were certain things you just have to sort of sit back and acknowledge. Yes, that is something worth um, you know something worth pointing out. He clearly had borrowed. I think you know look, luckily for him, I think there was a, a pair of Richard Dunn's XXXL uh, shorts. Left uh, left around when he moved when he moved to Villa, but um, he is such a big bloke. I mean, he is absolutely enormous. And you know, the, the idea about playing him in this in this sort of more more offensive attacking role mm. definitely paid dividends for the first first half yesterday. So I mean, Sunderland Sunderland couldn't cope with him, mm. and um, he is such a. I mean, it's like watching. Um, who's that? Who's that huge American basketball player that, whose name I've temporarily forgotten? Shaquille O'Neal. It was like watching him playing in the NBA. You know, he, he doesn't have to go around people; he just goes through people. Mm. Um, and it was it was very impressive. But I mean, it didn't you know it didn't last until the end. Um, let's move on. A, a tremendous save from the Sunderland goalkeeper, Mister Mignolet, um, who I I think will probably be a little bit um, unfamiliar to most of our listeners. Yes. Uh, George. Yes. Well, he's a Belgian on the twenty-one international. Arrived this summer for about a million and a half. Um, he's caused a little bit of concern, or his arrival has caused a little bit of concern, because he's very young, and he's deputising for um, Craig Gordon at the moment, the, uh, the Scotland keeper who's who's injured, and he's certainly had a had a mixed introduction at Sunderland, and you know there's been noises off that Steve Bruce would like to sign an, a more experienced goalkeeper on loan, but he's he's um, you know he's, uh, he's 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 stuck by him, and he produced an absolutely wonderful save yesterday from. 
from Adebayo, uh, point blank reaction, and you know, hopefully that'll that'll calm him down and settle everybody else down as well. But mm. he looked he looked very good. He looked very good yesterday. He was quite a good keeper. Um, quite a good keeper. He used to play up in the northeast. Who's supposed to be available on loan at the moment? We have to move quick. Yeah, yeah, and um, Shea Shea was on the bench for for City yesterday. Mm. I mean, it sounds like Fulham have Fulham have been uh, have been sniffing around him. Yeah. But um, you know, so, so, so I think I think the view at Sunderland was that having gone out and spent over a million quid on on Mignolet, they they really had to they, yeah. they really had to stick by him. Yes. And um, uh, you know, Gordon should be back in a couple of weeks anyway. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think having spent nine and a half million pounds on on, on Craig Gordon mm. or something like that to. To go and bring Shea Given on his doorstep would probably be, yeah, quite. you know, not not the most politically wise thing. Uh, I wanted to ask you because in the end, Sunderland go ahead and 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 they win the game, injury time penalty. I think it was. Uh, there's no there's no question that it, it was a penalty. Um, but up steps your boy Darren Bent George, who um, it's weird for a consummate goal scorer. I don't think he could have taken that penalty any worse. And also, am I right in thinking that all the penalties he missed last year, he hit the ball weakly to the um, to, to the goalkeeper's left? Because it seemed to well, me that, like like Joe Hart knew that. I think there was a bit of kind of mind games going on afterwards because he said he I spoke to spoke to him afterwards and he said that you know he's he's taken a lot of taken a lot of penalties against Joe Hart in training um, with with England and so I think you know he said. He knows I always go one way, so I decided not to be too precise, just to to, to blast it. And of course, he didn't blast it, but um, but but he he got it in there. And there are some sort of quite quite interesting, if slight, also slightly alarming stats about Darren Bent. I mean, he scored he scored all four of the goals scored by Sunderland players this season. Stephen Carr uh, gave them an own goal, and he scored. 50% of their league goals last season and it's now more than a year since Sunderland won a league game in which Darren Bent hasn't scored so I mean it's you know it's been a brilliant start to the season with him again but you know also it does show just how over-reliant they are they are on him they really do you know they really do need another striker to back him up um, Blackburn and Arsenal before we get into the actual game I want to I, I want to get you each of you guys want to get your view on this because mm. When Wenger made those comments before about Blackburn's style, yes. I kind of went like, my God, we've had this for sort of like the last five years where mm-hmm. he complains that this roughhouse, it's long ball, and, you know, it seemed to me like he mentioned Stoke, but you kind of knew Stoke was actually a proxy mm-hmm. for Blackburn. Yes. Um, and then, you know, Big Sam fires back and he's got his column. And, and I'm just wondering is, are we in the media to blame that we keep asking Wenger about this and so he bites every time? Or is Wenger pursuing a bit of an individual agenda here? And by extension, you know, Allardyce and, and, and that whole sort of Allardyce, Ferguson, Bruce mm. gang as well. Yes. Mm. He, well, I, I'll tell you exactly. I mean, he is pursuing a, an agenda, but it's a, it's a football agenda. It's something that we in the media should be uh, pursuing uh, because... Uh, and I do think this is the failure of journalism in this country in that it doesn't identify issues in the game uh, such as the the persistent fouling of goalkeepers at set pieces that's been going on in the English League for for several years and in fact and other physical manifestations which are encouraged by our referees and uh, I mean he's no alternative but to point out 
pointed out, it's, it's rather like the striker who's getting his shirt pulled. Is he supposed to just slow up and oblige the defender by, by being slowed up so much that he can't get the ball? Or eventually, after four times, is he entitled to dive? <coughs> you, you have to look at the causes... Uh, before sort of accusing people of agendas or diving or anything like that. People, unfortunately, because of the refereeing in this country, you have to, you have to draw attention to persistent uh, um, failures of referees to, to apply the laws. And that, that's, that's what Wenger did. And I just think, um, personally, as a journalist, I just think Wenger shouldn't have to do this. He I, shouldn't I, I, have. George. I, have to say, I have to say, I think, I think you know, actually... Arsene Wenger was pulling off the absolutely the oldest trick in the in the managerial book. I don't think this was a crusade, you know, a, a crusade for for fairness in football. The the referee in the match between Stoke against Tottenham that he he referred to was Chris Foy, the referee who uh, who officiated between Blackburn and Arsenal a couple of days later was Chris Foy. So um, you know, the, the, I think the point. I think the point that Wenger was very, you know, very. But, I mean, is it is it is it, is it an, an uh, is it an old trick? I mean, you imply that it's some kind of a trick to to, to try to get a referee to apply the laws. Well, I, think I mean, it's, sure, it's, 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 it's managerial. It's managerial mind games ahead of a ahead of a ahead of a game that weekend to either you know yeah, but what, somebody, sing, single somebody out for praise to to get inside yeah, somebody's head and yeah. and, and, and but, but I'm, you're I'm sorry. Imp- you're implying, George, that there's something wrong in that. I mean, do, do, you, do you honestly, would you rather have, would, are you perfectly happy to see goalkeepers being roughed up against the laws of the game? Because absolutely, if you, absolutely, if you, absolutely not. But, but, or, or, well, well, so what's I, wrong? And, I'm, so, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that, but what, what I am saying is that it's the oldest trick in the book for, for managers to play mind games before, before matches, and that's, what, that's what Wenger was doing there. What's wrong with that? I think the thing with Wenger is what Wenger really wants is the opposition to be 11 dustbins that the you know, Arsenal can pass the ball round and, and go and score without opposition. You know what? I think the way to combat teams like Arsenal is to be a bit physical with them. And I'm not saying, you know, you've you, you got to step outside the laws of the game. But, I mean, clearly, it's, I, I think, you know, it's a, football is a game where the physicality is increasingly being taken out of it. And Quite right, I, too. I, and, no, I, the point I, I, is, I like the, it. The point is, football is not a contact sport. Oh, it is. It, 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 you, if you can show me in the laws... Uh, the, the, the the original laws as they were devised by the English most unhelpfully uh, did provide for a for a physical contact game but gradually over the years the physical contact had uh, the illicit physical contact that the first thing was hacking which were permitted mm. in the English laws <laughs> the and, an, and an awful lot of people regret that mm. it, it, and it's part of the English mentality sorry There's, can you define hacking yes hacking is kicking uh kicking the legs of an opponent with no attempt to, to get the ball merely in order to trammel him to stop him <laughs> from being able to, to proceed otherwise that was, that was institutionalised in the original laws of association football and it seems to me that a lot of people in England rather regret their passing Tony, are you in favour of the return of hacking? 
Well, well, I have mixed feelings about it. No, I mean, in, in all seriousness, though, I mean, oh, I, 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 I think I think um, the the great players are able to transcend the physical um, uh, the, the, the the physical advances of the opposition, and I think as as we've lost that, and you know, I mean, I, I don't want to see a game of ball juggling where people are just allowed to you know to, to time on the ball to do whatever they like. I mean, I think d- defending's a lost art, and I think we you know we we, we need to def- encourage defending it. is a lost art because of infringements of the laws. Nobody, I, I mean, there's nothing better than a tremendous last-ditch tackle, even if it catches the, the man. That kind of physical contact is absolutely fine because mm. it's within the laws of the game, and it's it, it can be very beautiful. I mean, mm. a, a last-ditch tackle. We all want that. The, 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 lost art, the lost art of defending is because of all the things that referees don't pick up. Mm. Shirt-tugging, barging goalkeepers, um... Uh, pulling, pushing, uh, use of you know use of the sh- you know shirt tugging we've already talked about all these kind of things which are routinely tolerated and which mm. you think skills should have to rise above. Yeah, but to be fair, Paddy, let, let's face it, the best strikers are masters of those dirt hurts as well. So you know it works both ways. I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah. you know, so I mean, I, I, I think we, we sometimes, I mean, obviously, we don't want to see crude brutality in the game. I, you know. Clearly not, but I think I think there's a certain amount of I think Wenger sometimes complains when really there's no case. Sometimes he has a really genuine yes. uh, complaint. But I, 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 the point I'm making is Wenger, I think would would love to see the opposition stand statically I, still and applaud as Arsenal <laughs> walk the ball into the net. I I, I I need to bring it back to Blackburn Arsenal, but actually I find this debate fascinating. I mean, I'm going to list up the, the help of uh, of George here because. I couldn't help but I can't help but, but talk about Carl Henry and uh, and, Joey and Joey Barton. There's no other space in the show, I think, to talk about this. At the end, they came out and said, "Well, look, you know, both two honest pros. They went at it, hammer and tongs, blah blah blah." For my money, I think what they both did was dangerous, especially what Henry did. And I and I mm. shudder to think I'm thinking up for Joey Barton here. Mm. Uh, George, was are, are you okay with that when it's two guys and you know of their own volition and they turn kind of turn it into Fight Club and as long as you don't hurt anybody else? Well, f- firstly, it's I, I, I never foresaw myself saying at the start of this season the following things: Joey Barn is not a Nazi, and Joey Joey Barn deserves a little bit of uh, sympathy. I mean, it, from the I mean, I wasn't there on Saturday, but from the outside, it certainly looks as though that. You know that he was targeted. I'm not. I'm not saying that in some sort of conspiracy fashion, but you know that the idea was to get at him, knowing that he's got a sort of suspect temperament, and see what happens. But he, you know, he was. He actually responded by and large, uh, by and large, pretty well. I've only seen the highlights. On the highlights, although it seemed to cause much uh, mirth on on match of the day, you know, I think it verged. I think it did verge on the, towards the unacceptable. I think there were some pretty pretty bad challenges going going in there. I mean, I you know I love to see a sort of midfield a midfield battle and two players going at it fairly. But I, you know I think that edge towards I think that edge towards a sort of darker darker area personally. But I'm I'm totally with you on that, and I think mm. this is one situation where you know you take the referee aside if you're if you're Riley and you say, did you actually see this stuff? And if you did see it. Mm. You know, you're out, and in fact, I'll put you in the stocks and publicly humiliate you. Um, we, we do, I suppose, to talk about Blackburn and Arsenal, but but I, I, as I said, I thought this discussion was interesting. Let's uh, uh, rattle through this. The Walcott scores another. The train is now approaching Junction at platform. Passengers, 
iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Great goal. Anybody care? No? Okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> Mambaram Juf, uh, you, you know, we, we put him in the baby mm. uh, uh, category of signings and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks useful, right? Yes, Pat? he does. Uh, he, he, he knows how to, how to make a run, that's for sure. Um, if, if you, you touched on Christopher Samba earlier, by the way, and and to me, now that you see, sorry, just briefly going back to the to the physicality thing. Now I love watching Christopher Samba. To me, he's a footballer. He might be huge, but he's he's a real footballer, and he uses his physicality fairly. You know, um, so I just wanted to go back to that. But Duve, um I, I was very impressed with. Yes, um, I mean he made that. He told uh, he told the who was the guy who pulled the ball back for him for the goal. Anyway, he told him where to put it, and that's what that's what good strikers do. He it, it looks like I hate to say it, but it looks like that awful warlock Ferguson's done it again. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean you, you got to say like uh, both youths look good this weekend um, yeah. you know they, they, they can play a bit and you know again it's uh, you don't want to say nice things about El Hajj but no. I mean you know the, the reality is Blackburn play a, a, a bit of football in fact they were much they better mm. they were much better when they stopped knocking the ball long and you know had they attempted to play more football yeah. maybe they would have got something more out of that game mm-hmm. moving on we, we got to take advantage of uh, uh, the presence of one George Calkin um, to talk about uh, Newcastle United and, and, and the Northeast. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, as an outsider and, 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 and to this country, but somebody who's lived here a while, I always talk about, you know, I, I come here and people talk about the same stereotypes of Newcastle United, how, how, what a massive club it is, even though, frankly, outside of this scepter dial, the only people, most of us, uh, most Europeans, have, you know, the only way we've heard about Newcastle United was <laughs> because of... Mm. You know, oh look, it's the club where Paul Gascoigne started out, and they spent a lot of money on cheer. Mm. It doesn't occupy this mythical worldwide thing. But then it comes here, and you've got all these fans and so on. And, mm. and I kind of felt I really missed Newcastle mm. last season, being in the top flight. 
So I, I, I want to start with George and get the senses. I missed Newcastle last season. Does Mike Ashley care? And is he is is is, is the club still up for sale? Well, officially the club is not up for sale, but I think unofficially you would ask most most people, and they would say, you know, they would say yes. But you know, as, as Liverpool and other clubs have shown, it's not a great, you know, it's not a great time to be selling what is what is effectively a trophy, you know, trophy asset. And Newcastle had a whole, you know, had a whole year of whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, trophy and Newcastle. <laughs> Good point. Um, what? But what happened? You know, so so last season it came off the market. They're in the championship and. Although this this will sound a bit sentimental, I think what did happen was quite important in the sense that the club rediscovered what the important things are, and that is, you know, winning football matches, a team which is a team, not a collection of disparate individuals, and some of the fractured relationship between between uh, pitch and stand was was repaired. And I think there was a bit of sort of soul renewal going on by people going to Doncaster and Blackpool and and all these places that they've not been to for a long time and actually sort of remembering what football was all about. And they've come back up, you know, arguably a weaker squad than the one that went down featuring people like Michael Owen and whoever else. But they've come back they've they've come back as a stronger team and I think we've certainly seen that certainly seen that in the first Three or four, three or four games of the season, and I have to say that I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised by what they've done so far. Well, some of us actually suggested that maybe, given the situation Newcastle was in, maybe you know the relegation could be turned into a positive, um, and and I, and I think it, it has been, and it's probably good news for Mike Ashley too, because um, I don't know if anybody's actually calculated, what, you know, what his PNL has been since relegation, but. I'd imagine it hasn't been that bad because they went down, they got the balloon payments, he didn't really spend any money, he sold a bunch of players and comes back up and still hasn't had to, to splash out too much and you know pushes guys like Perch and Williamson and it's a way forward without him putting money in his pocket. He realizes, hey, maybe I don't need to go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to think of Newcastle as, as a well-run club, but uh, suddenly they've, they've become that. It's, it's odd. You know, just, well, I mean, I, I, if I could sort of just interject there, I mean, I, I think what's what's happened is that they've stumbled upon a sort of solution, which is, um, you know, which has kind of been acceptable to everyone. So, you know, Chris Hewton has done an absolutely brilliant job. But he he came into that job very much with his eyes open. He'd seen firsthand what happened to Keegan, what happened, you know, what happened when Joe Kinnear was there, what happened with with Alan Shearer, and he knew what he was getting into. At the same time, you know, at the same time, he's certainly kind of eked more out of. Uh, out of Ashley than than people would have, would have expected. I think it's fair to say they've had two sort of good transfer windows in a row now going back to January. They haven't lost anybody important. They haven't kind of cashed in and they've sort of made made what look to be fairly sensible, you know, sensible additions. I mean, I don't think the problem with Mike Ashley has ever has, has ever been has ever been his intentions. I think what what has been the problem is the execution of those decisions. You know, you go back to you know, you can make arguments for bringing in Kevin Keegan. You can make arguments for bringing in football directors. It's just the it's just the way they went about it, and some of the individuals that they appointed, uh, were, you know, were kind of were kind of all wrong. But you know, cer- certainly the idea of bringing in younger, hung- hungry players who will have a sell-on value. Um, you know, is it, it, not a bad one, providing that they're the right players and you've got sort of good people making you know making those those decisions um you know I, I think i think it's wise to say you know with 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 this regime in place if anything can happen and it would be it would sort of be foolish to sort of get too 
you know to get at all complacent about about anything because you know there's there's a maverick streak there certainly but you know I think certainly the you know the Aston Villa result nobody saw that coming they went to Wolves did very well and think and you know Andy Carroll has obviously become a sort of has become a big talking point oh gosh after George after the uh, when we I was at a football match watching the uh, Newcastle Villa game and uh, when the, um, the the journalists were all you know naturally agog as the game started and when Aston Villa were given a penalty there was a sort of grins all round and one of the journalists um said let the patronizing begin and uh, there was this sort of feeling that newcastle were about to be slaughtered and everyone was saying oh these these hard these fans deserve more um but uh, i mean that was that was when you say that nobody saw that result coming uh, when when villa were given that uh, penalty i honestly thought what are we looking at nil six and and then suddenly it's six nil it's, it's yeah. i mean that proves a that i know nothing about football but b well the, you know, like, and, and, very, and very much like, very much likewise. But, but to, to, to me, the really—I mean—and this will sound like such a basic thing to say, you'll think I'm crazy. But to me, the most heartening thing about watching Newcastle last season, and indeed so far this season, is that you know that those eleven players on the pitch actually want to be there playing mm. for Newcastle. Mm. And it's—you know—a lot of them are the same players that went down and and underachieved and. Uh, you know, looked and looked poor, and you kind of wondered where their careers were going to go. Mm. But going down and and kind of confronting what that meant, mm. and all that uncertainty there was around the club last season, being up for sale, no manager in place, no permanent manager in place, mm. Alan Shearer hanging around waiting in the wings. It's it has brought something out of them. And, and yeah. I mean, you look at the character; the certain character has emerged from 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 odd directions. I mean, I I, I think we mentioned last season, George, that Nolan. Um, his his marvelous captaincy, but I mean I was watching uh, Jonas and uh, I've watched him a few times and he gives everything. Yeah, he gives well, I mean, everything we, for that. I think he was yeah. giving everything because we get cynical about footballers, but I think if you look at Newcastle, there's a team with a bit of character about yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think in Jonas's case, I mean even when they went down, I don't yeah. think anybody accused him of of not mm. trying. But no. what I find remarkable though is again is this idea which always gets to me is like new manager takes over like, well, will the chairman back you? Will he give you money to spend? Will he change everything? Mm. This kind of shows, you know what? Just get People on before with it. spend a lot of money. Some of these guys are good. Some of them are not so good. Hey, there's a guy here. Get on with it. You know, Jose Enrique is not that bad. Yeah. Colaginis not that bad. The val- know, Kevin the- Nolan's not that bad. Make these guys work. The value of inertia. You know what? It's when it's when the idiots try to manage yeah. and try to be yeah. proactive. Yeah. That's what screws with them. Mm. You yeah. know, Newcastle has been such an unstable club over the last three or four years. It's, it's kind of just been a it's been a relationship that's worked because whilst as a journalist. It's been very difficult dealing with Chris Hewton because he gives absolutely nothing away. You know, we're used to Newcastle managers filling up the pages of, yeah. of newspapers kind of for us, and he's had the opposite effect. But as someone who, you know, who cares about football up here, he's been absolutely, the, you know, the right thing. He's sort of soaked up everything, deflected everything, and they've gone about their business in a kind of very effective and efficient manner. And it's most unusual from a Newcastle perspective, but also very, very welcome. George, what I'm about to ask you about might not have actually happened. Um, so, if so, correct me and we'll, we'll edit this out. But I seem to remember, I had food poisoning one day last week and I was laid up in bed. And I seem to remember. <laughs> no, that did fl- happen. <laughs> flipping on Sky Sports News at one point and seeing Stephen Taylor hands in a transfer request. Um, did that actually happen? And if so, What's the story here? Because I, I I thought he was sort of you know hometown hero and you know the Jordy Stephen Gerrard and so on. It's a 
that would be a strange kind of food poisoning fantasy to to have, Gab. But um, no, it was the other way around. He was he was put on the transfer list by by Newcastle. He's um, he's now in the last year of his contract. His agent, who is uh, the fairly notorious Paul Stretford, um, has not been able to get an agreement with Newcastle. And you know, it's part of the it's part of the the bluff and counter bluff that goes on at this you know at this time of the year. Um, uh, he's 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 been asking for for quite a lot of money. The club have a fairly strict uh, wage structure at the moment, and also we're trying to, trying to put uh, relegation clauses into all new contracts. So you know it's one of those things. He's in the last year of his contract. We all know what that means, and sticking him on the transfer list, I think was was uh, was a way of trying to trying to call his bluff. See, it's funny because if Newcastle can only operate like some clubs I know in some countries I know, you could send a whole bunch of Newcastle fans round to his house and his family members and so on and, and basically, you know, gently persuade him to sign at a number that suits the club. Mm. But I guess that kind of thing doesn't happen in Newcastle. Um, final point. What's a good season for, for, for Newcastle this year? Is it simply avoiding relegation? Is it, you know, 10 to 12? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's avoiding relegation. That's the, you know, that's that was the big thing that they that they came into the season with. And I think after, you know, after after three league games, it would be foolish to sort of start start recalibrating that sort of that target. I think. I mean, I think they I think they will have some I think they will have some difficult days ahead. Um, it's just gr- you know, it's just great from their perspective that they've got some momentum. You know, m- you know, momentum going forward. Um, they've shown that they can get results away from home. They've certainly shown that they're going to be tough to beat to beat at home but you know the key to this new Newcastle if you like is is certainly stabilising this season and and then building gradually from there the last thing they need is for people to start sort of saying they're going to qualify for Europe Dull, dull, dull. we want Keegan back we want top four in the trophy we want that schizophrenic manic depressive northeast thing come on George step it up <laughs> They've already started to revert to it. They've actually found a centre forward, a local hero. Yeah. I mean, they're doing all right. Don't 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 yeah, knock he, them, Tony. They comes, are they are conforming he, he to quite a few. Straight up from the pit and onto the pitch. <laughs> Still, you know, there, are, there, are, there are there are certainly you know there are hurdles ahead because there's Andy Carroll has a has a Crown Court case uh, next month. That's um, that's you know that's obviously public public knowledge um, and you know it being Newcastle there's always you know there, there is always a banana skin around the corner I mean you have to you have to you have to say that but whilst this kind of coalition holds it's um, you know it's, it's it's been kind of pleasing it's been pleasing to watch to watch but you know I, I think they do need to do the dull thing for a little while you know they've had a season and a bit of it and it's uh, it served them very well but what they you know certainly what they want to be doing is kind of building gradually out of the out of the spotlight George, don't let these guys wind you up. Newcastle does not exist solely for the amusement of people elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, time now for everybody's favorite segment of the show, some quick hits. Uh, I'll be asking the questions. If you guys run long or I get bored, I will ring this bell. Yeah, okay, we've got that. Manchester United roll to a 3-0 win over West Ham. Rooney scores his first goal since March, albeit on a penalty. Uh, Paddy, is the hoodoo over? Yes, I mean class is permanent. Uh, the, the Rooney, the Rooney thing was only a, a fitness come World Cup kind of uh, cumulative crisis. He'll be fine now. 
Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. And uh, encouragingly, he also played well. Mm. Uh, Chelsea's scoring average drops as Stoke hold them to a 2-0 win. Uh, George, is there now a crisis at Stamford Bridge? And on a more serious note, from your vantage point in the Northeast, what chinks do you spot in Chelsea's armour? Well, the fact that they're not scoring for six goals every week, obviously. Um, well, hang on a second. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they hadn't won a game in pre-season. Uh, people were saying they were too old, that uh, that there's no way they're going to win the title. And, uh, you know, now, now complaining about their goal average dropping. No, uh, some, games are, some games are more straightforward than others. Playing Stoke at home, you know you're going to be in for a physical battle, and they showed it, uh, that they can handle that perfectly well on Saturday. Not a bad week for Liverpool. Tony... So many exciting things going on. What excites you the most? Beating West Brom 1-0? Torres scoring again? Spending $10 million on Raul Mayrelish? Spending $4 million on Paul Konchensky? Or seeing the back of Javier Mascherano? I think I'm going to be sick. Uh, not a bad week. It's a, it's a pretty crap week. Liverpool were awful against West Brom. West Brom could have been 3 0 up at half time. The players they brought in uh, of a class that at one time would be laughed out of Anfield. And uh, Mascherano, well, he wasn't my favourite player, but he was sold at a price the, uh, which was too cheap. And uh, it's symptomatic of the mess that is behind the scenes and in the boardroom at Anfield. Ring your bell. And Gillette and Hicks are still there, of course. England's qualifying campaign begins on Friday. Plenty of injuries from Terry to Ferdinand to Lampard. Yeah, that, that Ferdinand one with it we kind of got familiar with by now. Mm. Uh, but uh, no space for Joey Cole or Aaron Lennon for that matter. Um, Paddy, is heartache ahead for Mr. Capello? Well, there are good signs in the uh, sparkling firm form of uh, Walcott, which makes Lennon's absence... Uh, uh, not quite such a, a shame. Uh, for also, on the centre-half crisis, the most important thing is that England aren't having to face, um, what's his name, from Manchester United, Dimitar Berbatov, who's in magnificent form. So the Bulgaria game, it, everything hinges on that. If anything goes wrong in that, they then have to go three days later to Switzerland, and that's a really tough game. So ask me Friday night. Will do. Wigan allow 10 in their first two games, then go and win 1-0 away to Spurs. George, <laughs> were we all a bit harsh on Wigan, or are Spurs simply not very good? Well, I think this is what Sir Alex Ferguson would call a football bloody hell moment, surely. It's why, this is why we turn up to stadiums week in, week out. Uh, you know, so then the off chance we can see we can see one of these results. I think there's a bit of both in what you say. Uh, you know, Wigan had a huge amount to prove, not only from the start of the season, but also what happened at Spurs last season Spurs were a bit of the after the Lord's Mesh oh god can I say any more football cliches I do apologise bit of both move on <laughs> at the end of the day it's only a cliche <laughs> to be fair actually I, I thought Wigan played really really well and uh, I thought mm. Tottenham were just terrible um, Everton fall at Villa 1-0 and are now in the relegation zone Obviously, it's way early, but Tony, you're completely impartial when it comes to Everton. Um, wasn't this the year when Everton were supposed to kick on to the next level? Nah, it's the customary David Moyes bad start. He'll be talking about resigning by October, and then we'll be talking about his manager of the year because they finished ninth in May. I've got a question for you, Gab. 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic has left Barca for Milan, who will take him on loan for a year and then pay $24 million to buy him outright next season. It sounds to me like Barcelona have lost a tremendous amount on this deal. So who benefits in the long run? Well, Slatan Ibrahimovic actually uh, uh, also lost a tremendous amount on this deal. He took a 33% uh, pay cut, which over the next four years means he, he leaves in excess of $20 million on the table. You know what? I, this was kind of like basically a very uh, expensive divorce, you know, where it can be very, very painful and extremely expensive and everybody loses out. But in the long run, you hope it avoids you more heartache. Uh, as for AC Milan, uh, I think they're kind of laughing all the way to the bank um, on this one, given the prices involved. You want more? Go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find all the latest news and gossip and uh, the latest on the transfer window, which shuts down in just a few hours. And also our web chats. Uh, I do one. Ollie K does one. Um, and Gary Jacob will be doing one as well, as well as Mike Atherton, if you're more of the uh, cricket mentality and you can talk all about cheating and corruption and all that nastiness. But we do want to hear from you. It's Game Podcast at timesonline.co.uk. Uh, and until uh, next week. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.